Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Hey, hey, Life Uncloseted family, it is time once again for Life Uncloseted, the show where we talk about people coming out of the closets of their life. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. And as you know, we have these shows on a regular basis so that people can go and talk to themselves, so to speak and get in their own heads about what is keeping me from going and doing and being the thing I'm most meant to be, whether it's coming out of the closet because of your sexuality or taking some of those bigger leaps in life to go do the thing you keep saying you're gonna do, that you keep kicking yourself in the butt saying, it's time to go do this thing. And it's all about wrapping you up in some loving arms to help you truly come out of your closet in life. But sometimes the reason we can't come out of those closets is because we get all caught up in the fears and we get caught up in the whirlwind of uncertainty and we freeze. And I am really excited to have my guest on today. We met a few years ago at Podcast Movement. We're both podcasters. Virginia Campbell is her name. We call her Ginger. And she's got a couple of really great podcasts, the Brain Science Podcast, as well as the Books and Ideas Podcast, and a third one, the Grain Rainbows coming out LGBTQ plus later in life podcast. And we had a great conversation. We knew we had a connection. I was honored to be on her Grain Rainbows podcast a couple of years ago. And I'm even more honored to have her here today because uncertainty affects all of us in every decision we make, especially in the coming out process. So, so excited to have you here, Ginger. It's been a while since we've been together and had these kind of conversations, but yeah, no podcast movement this year. No, thanks for no. having me, Rick. Oh, of course, of course. So, um, so you have. Let's kind of give them a little bit of your background. You're a doctor and podcaster, author. So you got you do a lot of different things, right? Yeah, I guess you could say that I'm one of those weird people who thrives on change instead of avoiding mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I, that's why I'm so ADD about everything I do too. It's like podcasts, writing books, running coaching programs, working for another coaching company, all this sort of stuff. Because if I wasn't busy like that, I don't think I'd be a happy person. So, um, but when you and I met at Podcast Movement a couple of years ago, you had just, were I guess you were just starting Graying Rainbows or just barely into it but you'd also come through a pretty big change in your own life. So why don't we set that stage to like, you know, kind of guide where we're going to go in this talk about uncertainty. Okay. Well, I've been podcasting since 2006, but I didn't come out as a lesbian myself until 2015. Um, Right after I turned 60 years old, um, the big event in my life, just before that was that my husband of 38 years died unexpectedly in July. So it's been almost five years. And uh, I mean, we had an honest relationship and I had uncertainties, excuse the word about, you know, my own sexuality. I sort of identified as bisexual since I was married. Although I had a experience in my early twenties that made me, 
you know, aware that I had some attraction to women. But my husband and I had decided to stay together basically because we were best friends. And when he died, you know, of course, I was in a state of shock because it was unexpected. And after about six months, I just realized, I mean, I don't want to spend the rest of my life alone, but I have no interest with being in a man, in being with a man. Uh, duh. So there you have it. And um, so I, I did um, come out at that time. Um, I have other members in my family that are um, gay, so it wasn't really a big deal. Mm-hmm. Plus, my parents were dead. I don't know that they would have cared, but they were dead. So that was not an issue. Uh, the most common reaction I got was, well, you finally figured it out. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> I was one, because I'm not a very uh, feminine person, right. and I always had the people assuming I was gay, even though I didn't think I was right. experienced. So, you know, that's kind of a plus minus when you come out because nobody is like surprised. I didn't right. actually change anything. Of course not. We don't and, change you know. anything. Well, <laughs> I think the only thing we change is okay. We're finally being ourselves, and we're like, okay, right. yes, I'm attracted to the same sex, and I would like to be in a relationship with somebody of the same sex, and blah 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 blah. But um, well, yeah. what I meant was, at our age, I didn't. At my age, I didn't like suddenly start dressing different, or right. I mean, I did cut my hair really short, but I did that the week after my husband died because mm-hmm. we had this long running feud about that, and. <laughs> So that was, it was just like, now I can have it the length I want. So that, you know, um, but I felt like for the most part, my identity was, was pretty, pretty solid. So the main thing for me was just having the opportunity to hopefully eventually have a a new kind of intimate relationship with another person. So where did the uncertainty show up for you in that moment? Because it sounds like the uncertainty was, not as big maybe for other people because you didn't have the the typical obstacles of, oh, what are family members going to think or a partner that you had to come out to. So was there a level of uncertainty that showed up for you? It really didn't kick in until Trump was elected mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I realized, hey, I've decided to, you know, do this thing. And now all of a sudden, you know, I, yeah. have I left off this cliff to disaster. I actually thought of the idea for Grain Rainbows um, right before he was elected. Mm. And I just basically chickened out for two years. <laughs> mm. And then I decided, well, if I'm not going to speak up now, when am I going to speak up? Right. That's a powerful space to be in. And I know, actually, I think, you know, I may have talked about this briefly at, at Podcast Movement, but I know there was a period right after he got elected that I saw my business dip tremendously because there was so much angst around, Oh wait, it's not sure this guy is on our side still aren't. Um, and I think a lot of people that might've been considering going this route were like, you know what? Don't need to add this to my worry list right now, you know? And a lot of people in, in their own way, quote, went back in the closet, even though they hadn't come out of the closet, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, it drove a lot of, you know, I did lose a couple of clients right out the gate. Like, you know, I just don't think it's time. Kind of like the clients I lost <laughs> just in the past few months because of COVID. It's like, well, I'm not quite ready to go do this because I can't really come out. I can't move anywhere. We're all supposed to be sheltering in place, you know, the same sort of thing. 
But as you have done the brain science stuff and, you know, practice as a medical doctor and explored all these things about brain science and uncertainty, what have you discovered is some of the stuff that really helps us start to look at uncertainty and ask the question as you do in your book, are you sure? How is uncertainty holding you back? So I think that it's might help to back up a little bit and mm -hmm. explain that the basic theme of my book is the fact that most of what our brain does is not accessible to our conscious awareness. Now, this is something that goes against our intuition because we think that we think ourselves through everything. And um, that's actually not what happens. There's growing evidence, even when we make a moral decision, there's growing evidence that that decision gets percolated, you know, it might say at a hidden layer and then pops out. And then we justify whatever it was that right. we chose. And what that also means is that we don't control it. Mm. Um, one place where this is relevant is in, in our beliefs. I mean, people can look at the same set of facts. We see this every day now. They look at mm -hmm. the same set of facts and they reach opposite conclusions, right? right? And that doesn't make any sense if you believe that reason is how things really work. Um, the, the physician who sort of inspired my book was a neurologist named Robert Burton. And, um, and he says, that this is what he calls the myth of the autonomous rational mind. And what that means is the idea that you can make a decision just totally by thinking it through, totally rationally. It just doesn't happen. So how this relates back to the coming out process is that I think we, we don't, just like we don't um, control, you know, when we have a, if we have a conversion experience in religion, mm -hmm. We don't really control when that happens. You could read the same material one year and it, it doesn't resonate with you. And another right. time you're in a different place and all of a sudden you go, yeah, this is it. This is it. And I think that coming out is similar in that, you know, people may struggle and struggle for many years while they're trying to figure it out all up in the, in, in, as we say in our head, which right. is not a very, you know, obviously it's in our head. That's where our brain is, but in, in this rational place. Yep. And then, you know, maybe one day something happens and it's that last little bit and it clicks and you go, Oh yeah. Well, yeah, I am gay. Mm. Right. And, and then you want to put it back in the bottle. Maybe you want to unknow it. Yeah. But you can't unknow it because once you know it, you know it, you know it. Yeah. And um, you can't rush another person's process either because we don't control it. It happens. It happens at its own speed. Right. You know, it may be that certain things you do influence it, um, influence the timing. Mm -hmm. um, for example, a lot of women of my generation were never exposed to the idea that they could be gay until they were married. Right. So it was not even on their radar. Right. Okay. So it's not that, you know, and then trying to go, well, would I have chose something different is, you know, not really very helpful. Mm -mm. And that's know, such an interesting question because that's when people ask that question, well, why didn't you just choose a different life? It's like, well, because I didn't, it wasn't, 
like a choice like, oh, do I want a chocolate chip cookie or do I want an oatmeal raisin cookie? It was not a choice in the truest sense. Right. It was a choice of the time wasn't, it wasn't the right time. And I love this, how you're bringing this, like it just, it kind of percolates, it's there. And then when the moment happens, it happens, you know, and, and, and it is a piece of lots of uncertainty percolates around that. I know for me and anybody who's listened to this podcast knows I for 13 years struggled, well, more than 13 years, but 13 years of marriage, I really struggled with this. I wasn't faithful. I've was having affairs. I was doing this, but I was living the dual life, but it wasn't until the one guy that made me see I could experience more than just sex. I could experience intimacy. I could experience excitement of potentially being with this person on a regular basis. That was the moment. That was the moment the brain finally said, yes, there's still uncertainty in what lies ahead, but there's certainty in, oh, this was the piece I needed to see. Because what I had seen before was just basically getting my rocks off. Until right. that moment, then when that wasn't the case, it's like, oh, I can have something that feels like connection and love and a deeper admiration, which I hadn't ever felt with my wife. I felt it in different ways, but not at that level. And suddenly mm -hmm. there was the click. And even though there was so much uncertainty of what was going to happen, there was so much certainty. And yes, this is the, okay, let's go. It's time to go. And I know so much of it was sitting in my subconscious waiting for that, you know, the perfect storm, so to speak, to happen. But if somebody had told me, go un go un know this and go analyze this and, oh, guess what? It's going to happen on this day. I would have said, you're, you're kind of crazy. It's just going to happen when it's meant to happen. So yeah. in your case, is it kind of, not necessarily in your case, in your own experience, but don't you think in many people's cases, they get so hung up in this uncertainty, but that isn't really what's the driver, so to speak. Hmm. I don't know, because I, to be honest, Rick, I hadn't looked at it from that point of view. Um, you know, if you, if you take a broader perspective on this mm -hmm. issue, you could ask, well, why do we ever feel certain about anything? Hmm. Okay. I love that. Yeah. And I mean, the, a possible answer is that it has a survival value. If you think of our ancestors, you know, in a, in the, in the woods or you know, jungle or whatever, and you see something rustle and you go, it's a, it's a tiger. I better run. Right. Or you sit there and go, Hmm, is that a tiger? Right. Well, the guy who just went ahead and did something survived and had kids we in our real lives have to make a lot of choices with incomplete information. In fact, all the time, every day, we make decisions with incomplete information, or we trust that certain things are going to happen the way we expect. We have to in order to function. If we don't, we become paralyzed with indecision. That is, you might say, the function of feeling certain. Yeah, yeah. But the, but the other point that I try to make in my book is, if you get a gut feeling of certainty, that in and of itself is not like magically by definition true. You hmm. still need to examine it. So if a person goes, huh, I feel like I'm gay. It still makes sense to look and ask themselves. It's probably true if it ever bops in your mind when you're right. in a world where being gay is not okay. But, you know, so it's probably not the world's best example, but 
um, there are some people out there telling people, oh, just go with your gut. It's automatically right. And that's dangerous too. Right. Right. I always say I trust my intuition as far as it'll take me. Mm-hmm. And then I've got to, I, and then I've got to take the leap of faith, you know, there, and I agree with you hundred percent. I hate, I hate the quote, um, nothing in life is certain, but taxes and death or whatever. Yes. Death is certain, but it may not be for some people. Who knows if depending on your belief system, mm-hmm. you may never experience death. If there suddenly is a heaven and, and God comes back and all you know, depending on belief systems, taxes, I guess are kind of certain, but not if you don't pay them. <laughs> You know, I think the one thing that's certain, I'm kind of, I'm, I lean in the Buddhist direction. So the one thing that's certain is change. I lean in, the, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And I lean in the Buddhist direction too. Change is always going to be there and you could decide to come out of the closet. And then suddenly somewhere in that movement, something's going to change. It may mean, Oh, I was going to come out of the closet and now I'm not going to do it quite yet. That was my case. I did come out of the closet at age 19 to my parents and I guess to the pastor that I worked with. And I guess that's probably about it at that point in time. Other than the guys I met on the side in my weird little world that said, oh, I'm just getting my rocks off. And then once I got married, it was that same thing. Nobody really knew it. I think a lot of people, I did have quite a few people in my world that were like, uh, yeah, we were just waiting for you to come out. But a huge majority of them were like, wow, I never saw that coming. But it is that piece of you kind of know it, but yet it's all about what's going to change to make that certainty come forward. Well, there's one other idea that Rick that I really want to share because I think it's important, and and that is about having compassion for yourself mm. and tolerance for yourself and other people, because the biggest implication of what I'm talking about is that we don't control it. We need to quit being so hard on ourselves and other people. And you look at somebody and you go, why doesn't why don't they do X Y Z? Or or you're beating yourself up because you didn't do a certain thing Mm -hmm. um it's not it's not productive and um i mean a lot of the the conflict we see is everybody needs to be right right but you can't no you can't change anybody's minds with facts Mm -hmm. (laughs) because that's not how they made up their mind um it applies to us and it applies to other people and and you could say oh well that just means everything's hopeless but i would rather take the positive view that um, you know, if we could have some tolerance for the fact that we, we aren't going to believe the same things, you know, even when we look at the same set of facts, right. um, we might want it to be different, but, but it's not, I mean, that's just not the way the, not, not the way that, that we're wired. Um, no, we're not. And the thing is, is we want so much certainty. And one of the things I, using my coaching with people is you want to know that something is what it is. But if you go back to the moment you were born and if you think about, you didn't know what something was until somebody told you what it was as a child, until somebody says tree, cat, dog, there was no certainty in what that thing was in your little mind. But somebody had to say, this is what it was. And even then, the only certainty of it was, was that we got the repeating pattern of 
tree, cat, dog, street, man, woman, mommy, daddy. We learn so much of what we believe are certainties in life, but they're just because they're beliefs or they're what we've been groomed as humans to believe. And one of the things that I find so fascinating is when people say, well, I know this is the truth. <laughs> I cock my head and I'm like, but how do you, how are you certain that that's the truth? I just it, know it. Yeah. I just know it. And the <laughs> thing is, is there's very few truths in the world. We concoct a lot of these truths. And that's why I think as LGBTQ individuals, we fight so much of ourselves and then have to fight quote society is because we've been told that can't be your truth. You, your truth is that you cannot be gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, whatever it may be, queer, all the different letters we have at this point. But that's our truth because that's who we are. But to somebody else, that truth doesn't exist. And so when you start to look at this from the bigger picture, especially in this day and age, there's so many, quote, truths supposedly, but yet but who really owns the basis for that truth? I don't want to say 100% that Democrats are the truth or Republicans are the truth or any of this because there's a lot of pieces of things, but I would never stand and say this is definitively the truth because there's so many variations of this. And yet so much of this is driven, driven as you just said, Ginger, by we're certain this is the way. <laughs> And because it feels it feels good to feel sure it feels uncomfortable Absolutely. to feel uncertain um you know it's sort of it's related to the law to the that other um thing you've probably heard of cognitive dissonance it's yep. related to that um dr burton said something when i talked to him that stuck with me he said if we could just get into the habit of saying instead of saying i know whatever mm -hmm. i just say, I believe, whatever. It's a big difference. Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, I believe something. I could change my mind about it. Right. I know when I say I know something, I'm sort of boxing myself into a, a, mm -hmm. a, a corner where if I do want to change my mind, so to speak, it's hard and people yeah. don't want to do that. So they got, and then they get, you know, they get, um, you know, stuck into a place where, you know, they committed and they didn't give themselves away. Mm -hmm. So how this relates in our community is let, let's say a young woman identifies as lesbian. And at some point she falls in love with a man. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a great, there's a lot of literature now indicating that sexuality in women may be somewhat fluid. Yep. Now, until recently, if a woman did that, she was considered, and probably still is in, in a lot of quarters, she would be considered a traitor to the, to the lesbian community, right. Uh, right? But if we could say, you know, your, your truth is what it is in this moment. In the moment when you are in love with the person you are in love with, um, instead of labeling it, I'm in love with I'm, the person I'm in love with, I'm going to be faithful to them. That's what really matters. Someday you may have a different experience. Now, you know, if you've spent time in a marriage with a person of the opposite sex and you know you've learned that that's not working for you, you're probably not going to look for that sort of relationship again. Right. And, 
and just like many people can stay monogamous because they don't look at people as potential partners when they're in a relationship. Right. Um, If you do, you're looking for trouble, right? Uh, So this just brings me back to my, my theme of, I really wish we could be more tolerant to ourselves and others. I find it interesting that you just brought that up because I've gotten this question numerous times, you know, our community and other people for sure, you know, outside of the LGBTQ community, but our community gets so inquisitive. Oh, so you were married. Um, So yeah, how did that work? You know, I'm like, well, it worked. (laughs) I wasn't afraid to have sex with my wife. I wasn't repelled by it, but yet, there's always this kind of, well, then you're not really gay. And and now I'm well past that. I'm just like, you know what? I don't let that stuff bug me. But then I get the questions of, so like you would never go back to a woman. I didn't say that. I just know my preference is gay, but I don't put it out of the realm of possibility. Not that I have any reason to, because I love my husband and, and we have a great relationship, but I'm not going to say definitively. No, I'm not going to say I wouldn't go back to a woman because I might fall in love with somebody and go, oh, this works. And I think this is where the interesting world of polyamory starts to show up where you can love somebody for this or you can love somebody for that. And maybe you enjoy sex with this person. Maybe you like the connection with this person. And it's just such an interesting space to play in. But when we get into these definitives, we're right back to, we have to certainly know this about you. And one of my favorite clients was a guy who came to work with me who did not get divorced because he was gay, did not come to me initially because he's like, oh, I think I need to come out of the closet. But he was trying to navigate where he was. And as we worked with him, he held the position of I'm dating a guy and that's just where I am right now. Mm -hmm. And I love that because that was his truth. That was where he was in this moment. And it ties to what you just said. Your truth is what it is in this moment. For him, in that moment, he was dating a guy. But he wasn't at that time willing, not really willing or ready to say, I'm gay. I'm dating a man. And that's what's working for me right now. But everybody else wants the certainty. They want to box us into like, oh, so you're you're 100% a Democrat. I'm predominantly Democrat, but that doesn't mean there's times I wouldn't agree with doing some other stuff. You know, um, it's just, it's such an interesting world <laughs> where we we're so driven by certainty and everything, you know? Yeah. And that's that black and white thinking is a sort of a stepchild of that. And, um, you know, there's a lot of theories about why that is. I mean, after all, you, you talked about how when you're little, you learn the names of things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, one of the things our brain does is it likes to put things into categories. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we just have to, it's, we just have to be aware that our brain does these quirky things. We can, we can really work with it if we know about it. For example, if you know about confirmation bias, which is the fact that you're going to tend to see the evidence that supports what you already believe. If you know about that, you can at least be aware of it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that's the reason why in medicine we need double blinded randomly controlled trials because both the patient and the doctor want the thing to work. Mm -hmm. And, and, And their perception of what happens is going to be 
distorted by that. And that's just reality. That's something, you know, we learned in medicine, you know, over a hundred years ago and it hasn't changed. Right. So these various quirky things that our brain does, and that's the reason why I do a podcast about the brain. It's because I think I really strongly believe that understanding some of this stuff can help us to be better citizens in the 21st century. Mm -hmm. And I also think it helps when we ask the question, if you were certain about that, how would things be different? Mm. And if you never were certain about that, what would you do? Because it kind of stops people in their tracks. Right. It's always really interesting when I'm in the kind of in the beginning phases of somebody working with somebody coming out mm -hmm. of the closet or even somebody who's, you know, mostly I work with men at this stage, either coming out of the closet or like making a big life change. Like they're going to mm -hmm. quit their job and go start their own company or sell everything and travel the world or whatever. And of course, certainty comes up in those conversations every time. Well, I need they want to, to know sure everything I, is going yes. to work out just they like want, they want. <laughs> yes. I, I want to know that I'm not going to die a heavy set man. Great. Then Rick, you got to do something about that, but there's no certainty in that to begin with. So, but it's, <laughs> it's such an interesting space to ask those questions because I kind of get, you know, either the silence, because if it's a phone, I'm only going to get the silence or if it's a zoom call, then I'm going to get kind of the deer and the headlights look like, Oh, well, I'm not sure if I can't ever be certain of that, yes, does that mean you're not going to do this? And once you're certain, then what? Like if you knew definitively you would have no problems coming out of the closet and that was handed to you right now, then what? And it's always interesting because there's still that pause like, well, and as soon as I say well or but, I'm like, then we're not there yet. Because <laughs> even if you were certain, you're, you just use the two words that tells me we're not there, well or but. <laughs> But that's human nature. We all like, ah, but I need to know this for sure, you know? And it's such a powerful thing to think of how so much of this is operating up here on the surface. Mm -hmm. But yet in what you talk about in your book, it's there's so much buried back here that's waiting for the moment, for that time, so that you can know you don't really need to have the certainty, so to speak. You just need to like move it forward. So when you're thinking through this, we're doing your work and everything and somebody's really stuck in, but the certainty, the certainty, the certainty, what would you, I mean, I know we could go talk for, about this for hours, but what would be something you would say to someone who's like, I am just so hung up on having to be certain that they can't do anything. What would you suggest they do besides read your book? Um, back up a step and ask themselves what they are certain of. For example, um, are you certain that, um, you know, you have the level of intimacy in your life that you want? Really good. Or you could be certain that you are wanting something else. Mm -hmm. you, you may not know what it is, but you are sure that there's something missing. Mm -hmm. That's a form of certainty. Right. So That's instead of focusing on what you don't have, focus on what you do know. Right. I worked with a couple probably two years ago. <clears throat> husband and wife and he was certain that he wanted to explore more sexually and he wanted to explore with a man but he was also quote certain that he didn't want to lose his relationship 
And she was pretty certain that she wanted him to be able to go explore, but she was also certain she couldn't handle the thought of him exploring with somebody else. <laughs> so it was really interesting. We had all these certain boundaries, right? But at the end of the day, neither one of them wanted to lose the relationship, but both of them were missing things in the relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's where we really did a lot of the work. What is it that you're missing that you know you desire? Not need, I hate the word need, but what you desire. And at the end of the day, he desired to have some more adventurous sexual experiences. At the quote, end of the day, she just wanted a good relationship, but she didn't want to have to share him with someone else for him to be happy and have those relationships. So we were in this really interesting quandary, but yet it was all being driven by both of them needing the reassurances and the certainty of what they thought they needed until we got to, okay, this is what you desire. Now, based mm -hmm. on that desire, would that move you forward into the thing you keep saying you want if you had that desire filled? And it was finally when we got to there that the certainties kind of, I wouldn't say they went flying out the door, so to speak, but we got to the clarity because this is what they quote said they wanted and they were able to move forward and start to find a balance where they could do the relationship in a way that worked for both of them. But certainty was kind of at the core of that, <laughs> that core mm -hmm. experience so much so, but um, I love that, you know, asking yourself the question because it's powerful. It's really powerful. And then the other thing I would say is if you can find a way to be, become okay with not knowing, you know, we, we are, really culturally taught that we always need to know, which is another way of saying we always need to be certain. Um, but there's a lot of things we can't know. Mm -hmm. And um, I think there's good, probably good evidence that some of the most adventurous people and the ones that, you know, move things forward are the people who can go forth into uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Um you know, sometimes they have baseless certainty that they're going to, to succeed at the thing, but a lot of times they're just okay with not knowing. Right. Um, so, you know, maybe practice the art of not knowing, pick something small to start out with. <laughs> like yep. you don't have to look up every single thing on Google when somebody says, well, what about blah, blah. I mean, now that you can, yep. you could just practice saying, Oh, I don't know. Don't need to know everything can't actually know everything mm -hmm. despite the mm -hmm. illusion that we have now. Um, I feel like for me, practice your uncertainty muscles cause you're going to need them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. Well, it is, it's, it's a muscle. And I, I use that same analogy a lot of times with people. It's like, you have to practice the uncertainty of a fear. You have to practice what it would feel like to not know something, to be able to, you know, quit making those excuses, practice, not making an excuse, practice, not knowing what's coming next. I remember when I did my first shows way back when this podcast was called the coming out lounge, I had my script and I was ready and all this stuff. And then I listened back to the first couple of shows and they're still out there folks. So if you want some laughs, go back and listen to those. I thought, this is not how Rick shows up. This is not mm -hmm. how I would do this at all. And now I love the uncertainty of going into these interviews. Yes, there's a, I know we're going to talk about your book and, you know, it's your experience with working with uncertainty and the goals of which I know all that, 
but I love the uncertainty of where are we going to drive this today? Where are we going to take this that's going to be beneficial to people? And being able to like lean into that and sometimes going, I don't know. I just don't know, but that's okay. Because to me, that's what makes for me, this podcast and my, any podcast, a really beautiful experience. Now there's other podcasts that, yes, I know there's, there's a scripted sense to it and this is what they want to get done. And and that works too. But I think we get so caught up in having to have things lined out for us, know where we're going. We forget the beauty of spontaneity and that, and the discomfort of knowing what it's like to be in that space of uncertainty and owning it. So it's just, it's a beautiful thing. Absolutely beautiful thing. So I'm so glad we had this opportunity here to work together again and to share. What's one last piece of advice you'd love to leave the audience before we take off here? Well, what came to my mind as you, as you were describing your own experience is uh, I've experienced something similar. I, I enjoy interviewing people mm. and I realize that I like the, the surprise because I don't like, I actually don't enjoy public speaking very much. Right. And I, I suddenly realized a few days ago that the reason is it's too predictable. You know, you go through that same bit and like a lot of authors go on speaking tours where they talk and they say the same thing over and over again. Right. And that just, that just, doesn't do it for me. So in terms of advice, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of advice. I'm a big fan of sharing the science and letting people take mm-hmm. it where they want. But I think, you know, pay attention to what lights you up, what makes you excited and, and what drains your energy. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can feel the difference if you pay attention. Yeah. And I think if you pay attention, that's where even if you quote, are feeling the uncertainty, the more you pay attention, the more the uncertainty dissipates. Because you can pay attention, you can start to see things that you may not have seen. And one of my fellow speakers, her name is Neen James, and her brand is Attention Pays. So she flips it around. So attention pays, so pay attention. And I find that really compelling. And, and it plays to what we've been talking about. If you pay, if, uh, if you pay attention to uncertainty, then that's what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. But if you pay attention to the uncertainty and the spontaneity that can come from it, then you're going to be able to move past it. And I love that we have hopefully doled out some interesting perspectives on what certainty and uncertainty can do for you as you come out of whatever the closet is of your life, especially if you're coming out of the sexuality closet as both Ginger and I have done. Uh, And I know for me, had I not come out of the closet, I'm certain (laughs) that I would still be a very miserable human being. Not that I don't have my moments, but I know I, and I'm pretty certain that I probably would have still ended up divorced. I probably would have ended up maybe even an alcoholic uh, simply because I was not living my truth and I was hiding behind weight. Wasn't really hiding behind alcohol, but I, I did my fair share of drinking and I just am always curious, you know, not that I want to look in that crystal ball, but I, I always look at it from that perspective of what I'm pretty certain would have happened would not have been where I got to today. So I love this conversation and you can find Ginger at her website, which is Virginia Campbell, MD, right? Is that right? Yeah. 
Yeah. VirginiaCampbellMD.com is the best place to get links to all of my all shows, stuff, inc yeah. including Grain Rainbows, yeah, which yeah. we didn't talk about, but I'm sure that hopefully there's some people out there that might enjoy well, it. Well, I would, I would highly recommend that show. I have to say I was so honored to be on her show when she did that. And it is a beautiful podcast for those of you who are coming out in that midlife or later life space. And we know you're out there because some of you are listening right now. We know that. So, but definitely listen to it. It's a great podcast. Love it. Um, I've been referred a lot of guests because of having been on her podcast and there's not a lot of those out there for those of us in this range. That's what's so interesting. This is one of the quote I would consider forgotten segments of the LGBTQ community. Um, once you're out of your prime, you're out of line, so to speak. So, um, but anyway, thanks for being here, Ginger. I really appreciate it. Love the conversation with you. And I look forward to having more in the future. Me too. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end. And it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves, and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change a life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.